Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Straight ahead on The Insiders, there's Iowa Senator Joni Ernst and her roast and ride guest this weekend, former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. The senator will be here to talk about the president's visit to Iowa and his claims about Iowa producers when it comes to that year-round E15 deal. Plus, we'll also talk about the trade war and we'll work in a question about Ambassador Haley's future. And will it be Trump and Biden in the 2020 general election matchup for president? Still a long ways off here, right? We're gonna talk to the former vice president about whether he thinks if he was still working in the US Senate, could he work with the president right now? Plus a question from my mother-in-law when it comes to strategy about what would happen if Biden and those other 22 Democratic candidates all got locked in a room together and had to agree on one big thing? See what the BP thinks about that. Then in the Insider's Quick Six, we're gonna play ball. Baseball players have that walk-up song when they walk up to home plate before they bat. We're gonna find out why Senator Joni Ernst chose the walk-up song that she did. Welcome to the Insider's and Happy Father's Day. The president has come and gone from our state, so has former Vice President Joe Biden and all kinds of other presidential candidates. Senator Joni Ernst got a VIP ride with the president from D.C. to here, and she's still here, so she joins us now. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. A little trip on Air Force One. What's that like? You know, oh, most people don't get that ride. Very nice. That was my first ride, too. So um, very, very nice. Was able to visit with Administrator Wheeler from the EPA, as well as Secretary Sonny Perdue, our USDA Ag Secretary, and Senator Deb Fisher. So we were together. We were able to, to visit about some of the things going on in the administration right now. And, and of course, the president joined us when he was able. And the plane is huge, right? So the president has has his own section? How does it work? Yes, he does. He does because he does continue working from Air Force One. So the rest of us were in a conference room visiting, uh, sharing information, talking through a, a number of different ideas. Does a pilot talk to you like he like they do no. when we're on, like, do they have like an intercom system? Or is no, it totally not like no, that? but I tell you what, there are some really great Air Force flight attendants that, uh, just like you'll have flight attendants on other flights, the Air Force actually has a career track for flight attendants and just phenomenal people. We got to visit with them through the flight as well. Uh, okay, so you, you got to talk to the president on the plane and then that uh, the tour that he took yeah. in Council Bluffs of the ethanol plant there. Yeah. The president was here talking about the year-round sales of E15, so they're not cut off over the summer like they used to be. How do you look at what that means for our Iowa producers in light of the complaints that those oil refineries are still getting so many waivers and that's maybe holding back our potential with ethanol. Mm -hmm. How do you look at that? Well, no doubt about it. The E15 being sold year round is very, very helpful 
for our ethanol producers, our corn growers, and so forth. So that is great, but we also still have the small refinery exemptions, or SREs, and those are going to those refineries that uh, they have to meet certain standards to be considered a small refinery, but they're often connected to very large oil companies like Exxon or Chevron, and so we're pushing back on the administration, and and trying to find a path forward to make sure that we don't see as many exemptions. We wanna see if there is true hardship, that's great uh, for a small refinery, but if it's connected to a large oil company, I don't agree. And the, the waiver is that they don't have to blend in our ethanol, right? Correct, correct. And so you see that volume of, of ethanol, those gallons of ethanol then are not being blended uh, through those small refineries. All right, uh, one of the th other things we're watching, obviously, is what's happening with the soybean farmers. The prices are so low, in many cases, the lowest they've been mm -hmm. in more than a decade. And so they're continuing to suffer here as they wait for this trade war disagreement with China to get figured out. The, the federal government does give them some assistance to try to bridge the gap, but it doesn't make them whole. It doesn't make up for the whole, the whole difference mm -hmm. here. How do you view how they're hanging in right now? It is very hard right now, and they will acknowledge that. But I did talk to an Iowa farmer who is part of the uh, Nas National Association for those soybean growers, and he did state that the pain that we're feeling right now going through uh, the trade negotiations with China, he said is no different than the pain we felt five years ago from China, 10 years ago from China, 15 years ago from China. Do you see a recurring theme here. China has been a very bad trade partner when it comes to agricultural commodities, and those soybean farmers have felt this before. And at the end of, of this last year, uh, I had a farmer, he stood up, slapped his hand on the table, and he said, I get why the president is doing this. I support the president. He said, what I don't get is why we didn't have a president that would stand up for us before this. Uh, talking about agreements here, where are we with Mexico? Uh, there were some, some who kind of made fun of the president Tuesday before he came here. He was out there shaking this white piece of paper, and he's saying, hey, here's our deal with Mexico. And he said it's going to be up to Mexico later on to talk about what's actually in this deal. There were some photographers who kind of zoomed in to try to see some of the words that were, that were put on that thing. Is there a deal? Is it a new deal? What is the deal here? Well, there is a deal with Mexico, and that's where Mexico agreed to send 6,000 troops or deploy 6,000 troops that would help secure their border, help control that uh, pathway of illegal immigration coming to the United States from Central America. So there is an agreement out there. Specifics of that, I'm, I'm not aware of the actual deployment and so forth, but that is up to um, U.S. And, and Mexico, our administrations, to work together on that. But there does seem to be a deal out there. Now, how that applies to ag products or others, I'm, I'm not aware of that. Uh, more broadly here, the other deal we have with Mexico and Canada that is waiting congressional approval. Uh, Senator Grassley was one of those saying, look, tariffs aren't the way to go here. And if you want this new broader trade deal, <laughs> I want to rethink the tariff deal here, his warning for the president here. And you've pretty much been the same way with this, right? Right, right. I do support the tariffs with China because they are bad actors. 
Mexico is the number one consumer of Iowa's exported corn, and so they have been very good trade partners with us, Mexico and Canada. We do need to address those issues at the border. Of course we need to do that, but we need to get USMCA over the finish line as well. So I'm encouraging everybody across Iowa, reach out to our House members, make sure they're on board, and, and ask uh, that they speak to, to Speaker Pelosi and have her bring that up as soon as possible. We want to see USMCA done. I think it will be very, very good for Iowa farmers, Iowa manufacturers, and all across the United States as well. It's a uh, good deal. Since you were here last, you have a new Democratic opponent uh, for your reelection efforts. Uh, Teresa Greenfield of Windsor Heights, the uh, real estate developer there, uh, had put out a new ad. And in it, she kind of comes after you about your mm -hmm. ad, make them squeal, that you know got you all the national headlines here in your primary campaign back in 2014. So she's essentially saying, hey, you promised you're going to make them squeal here. Uh, instead, we're seeing rich people get richer, big companies not paying many taxes anymore, the deficit going up. So who's really squealing? Well, actually, and if you go back and, and take a look at uh, the bills that I've proposed and the bills that are now also in law, um, and number one, as we're talking about squealing, is the Squeal Act, which does away with tax breaks for members of Congress for their living expenses in Washington, D.C. That was my act. It was signed into law through the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. was not very popular amongst my colleagues uh, for that act, but it is one way of taking those special perks away from uh, elitists that, that might serve in Congress or so forth. But a number of other measures as well, uh, well, the Swamp Act, which would move headquarters of various federal agencies out of Washington, D.C., out into the areas that they best represent, like USDA. We'd love to see them headquartered here somewhere in the Midwest, closer to the people they represent. But a number of other cost-saving measures as well that I have proposed and have been implemented. Really proud of that and, and glad. I also supported a budget deal just not long ago, voted for it on the floor of the Senate, that would scale back our federal budget, um, but, you know, receive criticism for that. So while they're pushing me from the left um, on this issue, they're certainly not supporting less spending in D.C. But why is the why is the deficit going up so fast here? It's like 40 percent faster the beginning of this fiscal year or up to this point than it was last year. Here, These tax cuts have kind of kicked in. That impacts revenue coming in. Right. Are we going to have these fundamental changes that so many folks have campaigned on for years? Well, I think we will. But again, focusing on the budget is really important. And we hear a lot of those talking points uh, about the wealthy getting wealthier. That's not true. What we see is that, that our middle class workers, uh, actually through the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, that is the, the fastest growing area of increases in wages. So we're closing that gap with those middle income families. And that is really, really important. Iowans are doing much, much, much better today than they were a number of years ago. So that's important to remember. Um, making sure that we are focusing on the deficit spending is also very important. And we see that as um, we move through a budget and we often get nice little perks that are thrown in here and there, and we can't support that type of earmarked spending. We need to focus on what's good for America. As soon as this airs, though, people are going to say they watched that story about Amazon paying no taxes this year. How is that fair? Well, and they are following the law. I'd love to say Amazon's not following the law. What we need to figure out are right? those... What we need to figure out are what are those loopholes and, and are there loopholes that exist? And that's what we need to focus on. Um, so not knowing the individual um, payment structure that they have, 
but understanding that, yes, we need to be uh, supportive of growing industry, but they are already a very large industry. So let's, let's focus on the loopholes that they are using in the tax code. All right, if you'll hang tight, we'll have you back here for the quick six okay. a little bit later in the show. When we come back, though, let's talk about some of these Democrats running for president, running on all kinds of different ideas, right? Up next here, the one issue Joe Biden told me that he thinks could unite all 23 of those Democratic presidential candidates. We'll talk to him next. Former Democratic Vice President Joe Biden is now in his third run for president. He's the most well-known Democratic presidential candidate, and he's at the top of those early national polls. So far, he's talked about the importance of working with Republicans if he does become president here. But I asked him, what if it were the other way around right now and he was back in the Senate, what would he do? Do you think if you were in the Senate today, could you work with this president? It'd be very difficult, but you know, you have to be able to at least negotiate. And if he is unwilling to do anything, then what you have to do is you have to stand your ground. There's certain things are just matters of principle. You can't compromise on principle, but it doesn't make sense to spend a lot of time attacking another person's motive. Attack their judgment, not their motive. Because our politics has gotten too dirty, too mean, too vile, and you can't get anything done when that occurs. Do you fear at all that the juice of this party right now with some of these activists is on the left side there, and can you bring those folks along with you? Well, look, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, people ask me, what kind, am I a you know, uh, new progressive or whatever they call it? The truth of the matter is, uh, I'm an Biden-Bomb Democrat. Um, I, have, I have a very pro progressive record on almost every one of those issues. And I don't think we have to go after attacking one another. For example, we could easily afford to pay for the things that I'm talking about, the New Green Deal, which talks about spending a lot of money over 10 years to get to zero emissions. But the truth of the matter is, we don't have to punish anybody to do that. We can eliminate some of these god-awful tax cuts that are out there. If I'm president, you're gonna see the end of the Trump tax cuts. Corporations are gonna start paying their fair share, not 20%, some paying zero like Amazon. They should be at a 28% rate. That would raise billions and billions of dollars to use for do good things. And uh, we have these, all these tax exemptions out there. We have one trillion six hundred plus billion dollars in tax exemptions, meaning taxes not collected for many of them for no redeemable reason, none whatsoever. If we eliminate four hundred billion of that, we don't have to raise anybody's taxes. We're not punishing anybody. Just be fair. Everybody in on the deal. And so we don't have to uh, uh, be in a position where we're out talking about that we're going to fundamentally change society. We're going to fundamentally change how we get things done. And the way to get them done is to get everybody in on the deal. And that's the only way to do it, in my view. If it's just you and the 22 other candidates in a room by yourselves, no staff, no cameras, no nothing, right? And you all have to walk out of there agreeing on one thing. What do you think that one thing would be for this country? Everything any one of us stand for, no matter how much we differ, cannot happen as long as Donald Trump is president. Who can beat Donald Trump? The most likely person to beat it. Because without that, none of it matters. We can't get any of what any one of us want done, period. So that's the number one thing I think we'd all agree on. 
That question, by the way, came from my mother-in-law, so she was in town helping with the kids. That's why she got a question there for the vice president. All right, so for Biden right now, it's all about reconnecting with Iowans as he campaigns toward the caucuses next February, right? Well, coming up, Biden's connection 30 years ago that he made with a Fairfield man who actually grew up in Canada and whether that connection has endured and will guarantee a vote for Biden next year. We'll hear from that man next. A Fairfield man made sure that he came by to see Joe Biden during that Ottumwa campaign event this past week. He had actually randomly met the former vice president way back in 1987 at the Denver airport when Biden was campaigning at the time for president, which would have been for the first time. He lifted up my kids and gave him a big kiss. And I went, I said, oh, I think you're Joe Biden, right? And he said, yeah, I'm running for president. He said, I said, you know, Joe, I'm really sorry to tell you that I'm I'm a Canadian citizen, I can't vote. And he goes, oh, no problem. So ever since then, I've always had a good feeling about good old Joe, you know, I like him. I think he's really taken good care of himself. He doesn't, I don't think he overeats. I think he's, he's, he's in pretty good shape, you know? I, I mean, 77 is the, is the new 57. I mean, let's face it, if he has the stamina, and Bernie has the stamina. Well, they, they, they can run. They have the experience. I like a few of the other ones. Who do you, you know? like? Well, I like, I like Mayor Pete. You know, I, I, he's young. I, I like, you know, they all have good qualities. I like uh, Elizabeth Warren, you know. I think the Biden, Elizabeth Warren ticket would be pretty darn good. The progressives will come on board. And definitely still hear that Canadian accent, can't you? All right, so we can tell listening to him, though, the Biden connection from those years, years ago here, not fully guaranteed that he will caucus for him next year. All right, when we come back, how the presidential candidates told me they can tell when their message is connecting with a potential caucus goer. We'll talk to a few of them next. These presidential candidates spend so much time either staring out into a crowd, giving speeches, or maybe getting up close, trying to win somebody over face-to-face -face here. I asked several of them how they know if their message is really sinking in and someone is actually agreeing with that message. Well, you can't always tell, but sometimes you have a feeling for whether or not your words landed. Sometimes you have a feeling whether or not there was a real listening. I tell you, it's harder when you're outside. It's harder to know. But at the same time, I think what's important, whether you're a writer, whether you're a politician or anything else, is that you say what you think needs to be said and not base it too much on, on how you think a particular audience is hearing it. That's the corruption of politics, pandering to people's popularity. I'm not here to pander to popularity. I'm here to express truth as I understand it to the best of my ability. The reaction? in the room. You know, we also have a lot of people who have already said they're going to caucus for us, right? So we every week have people who come in and say, I'm going to caucus for John Delaney. And that, at the end of the day, is you know better than anyone else, Dave. The poll that matters is the results of the Iowa caucus. And getting people to turn out and caucus for you on caucus night is really what's important here in Iowa. And you got to develop those relationships. And I feel like I've been doing that. Spidey sense. <laughs> Can you define your spidey sense? <laughs> well, you know, it's people nodding, people looking, people paying attention, you know. I mean, if they're starting to look at their watch, you know, they're not, maybe not connecting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been good. I mean, we've, we've had a great, you know, few weeks here, and we're picking up a lot of support. I think the economic message around working class is really connecting with people. Everywhere we go, we pick up a couple caucus goers, a couple volunteers. People want to do house parties. So it's been good. I think this message is, is resonating with people. Definitely the first presidential candidate to talk to me about his spidey sense. <laughs> when we come back, Nikki Haley's future 
and Joni Ernst's walk-up song. It's all part of the Insider's Quick Six with the Senator. We'll talk to her next. Time for the Insider's Quick Six with Senator Ernst. Senator, you're running for re-election. Question one, why should a woman vote Republican? Because we are all about the issues that are important to women, which would be economy, job training, healthcare costs and how we reduce those, um, as well as national security. Women care about all the same things that our male counterparts do, but I think that we are very effective collaborators, negotiators, and so I think women really get that. I think they should vote Republican. All right, Definitely. speaking of Republican women, question two. You had Nikki Haley, the former UN ambassador here in town this weekend. What do you think her future is? Well, I think she, whatever she decides to do, she is going to have a very, very bright future. So I'm so excited. She is joining me for Roast and Rind, and, and maybe she'll give us a hint. But whatever <laughs> she chooses to do, she is a brilliant woman. All right, question three. The, one of the president's advisors here, Kellyanne Conway, she's been, um, that independent office found that she's using her position too much to make political statements, which violates the Hatch Act. Is that right, what she's doing? Well, uh, obviously, uh, there has been a commission that has decided that's not appropriate. So uh, she is, is being removed from that position. But we certainly want to be working towards the good of all Americans and, and supporting. Obviously, she wants to support the president's initiative. She is an advisor or was an advisor. Um, but, you know, she used her position differently. Uh, question for... Uh, what's an issue that we should pay attention to more from your view? I think the cost of health care. Um, health insurance has been a focus in the past and what we saw as far as Obamacare, it didn't cut health insurance costs. We've seen those costs go up. Instead of focusing on the root issue, which is you know perhaps prescription medication costs and why are they going up substantially, focusing on the overhead costs of our clinics and hospitals, all of those things are the things that we need to focus on and we haven't seen that focus from Democrats in the past. All right, much lighter here. Question five. So for this congressional softball game, you all have walk-up songs, right? Oh, yes, we do. Okay, so you chose Florida's my house. Yes. Why? If I could sing, I would <laughs> sing right now, but of course okay. I will not. It, it's one of my favorite songs. It really is. It's got a great beat. Kids love it. Um, but it really comes back to this is my house, and and press, we are coming for you. And the that's what you play in this. We play the the ladies in the press and the congressional women. This is our year. We're going to take this game. Welcome to my house. All right, your prediction, <laughs> Senator. And uh, my prediction coming up, 2022. Chuck Grassley runs again, and he wins. That will be my prediction. Oh, and by the way, probably that year as well, he will ride Rag Bry. Oh, is that right? Yeah, All right. I think so. All right, Senator, appreciate the time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Safe you travels. very much. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for being with us. Happy Father's Day again. Let's stay connected throughout the week. We'll see you next week.